With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Oracle Network. Look deeper. This is Dos Pequeños. A funnier look at the paranormal in New Mexico. With your co-ghosts, Eric Carter-Landin. And Alex. What is up, Alex? Hey, Eric. How you doing today? Oh, man, I'm good. I am excited about this episode. I learned a lot. I don't know if you learned anything on yours, but I learned some of mine. Did you learn anything? A couple of things. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter A. A. For Apple. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) What type of shit is that? It's Sesame Street. That's what we're doing. And the number 14. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're in a weird space today. Sorry about that. We just got out of a really cool interview. Uh, You'll hear some of that on this episode. But before that, I want to tell you a story, Alex. Tell me. All right. So if you ask any burqueño to name a haunted place in the city, you're going to hear a list of several things. You'll probably hear the chemo theater. You're going to hear Wool Warehouse. You might hear Hotel Park Central or Memorial Hospital. Okay. But one we're going to talk about today is the Albuquerque Press Club. Have you heard of it? I have heard of this. I've actually been there. You've been, I've been there too a couple times. No, I've been there before just for a party. Okay. And it was a lot of fun. I was there for a wedding and I want to go back. I think maybe we should join as members for Dos Buqueños so that we can go and see if we see any ghosts there. I want to see something. Okay. I think it's only like 40 bucks a year. So it's not that bad. To become a member? Yeah. Well, that's not bad at all. Yeah, you pay like a $5 fee. Okay. So I think we should do that. Anyway, uh, I'm talking about the press club. So this building has a long, rich history to it. And if you've seen it from the outside, it looks like a log cabin. I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is really weird. It's not something you would expect to see in the heart of the city. It's very evil dead-ish looking. (laughs) It is. It's a little bit like let's write out the zombie apocalypse, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, It is located at 201 Highland Park Circle, which is in East Downtown Albuquerque. And the press club is situated on top of a hill just above a city park. It also faces Interstate 25 and currently operates as a members-only club. And this is just a, a little description from the press club website. The Albuquerque Press Club is member-owned with both professional press and social non-press memberships. A private club with disparate membership and a great spirit. A place to meet new friends or hang out with old ones. Mm. Located in one of Albuquerque's most historic buildings, an affiliate of the National Press Club with reciprocity agreements with other press clubs. Cool. So if we join, we can go see other press clubs. So they really do embrace (laughs) the idea of uh, ghosts, it sounds like. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I think that that's that's part of the history of this building. And uh, we'll, we'll find out more about it here in a minute. But it sounds like they have opened their arms to that kind of experience, I guess. Okay. 
So before we get too much into what the press club is, take a little look at the history. What it isn't. (laughs) It's not a strip club. It's not a grocery store. (laughs) It's not a library. It's not, guys. If you expect to go there and get a good book to read for the weekend, you're not going to find it. Wait, do they have a gift shop? Maybe they do have books. I don't know if they have a gift shop. (laughs) Not what it isn't, but let's look at its history. So the... Oh, I'm going to fuck up this pronunciation. The Wu-Tang. The Wu-Tang Clan? The Wu-Tang. Whittles, Whittlesey? Whittlesey? Oh, how did he say that? Whittlesey? 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 Okay. Just mumble it. You guys, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm sorry. Uh, so the Whittlesey House was built in 1902 by architect Charles Frederick W. How about that? Charles was born in... How about that? <laughs> I'm just going to say W now. W. Uh, Charles was born in Alton, Illinois in 1867. He had a long and successful career as an architect and even had his own firm in Chicago. By the age of 33, he was the chief architect for the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. Ah. Yeah. He designed many rail stations as well as hotels along the railway. He even designed the El Tovar Hotel, also known as the Harvey House, which just sits feet away from the rim of the Grand Canyon. He designed the old Alvarado Hotel in downtown Albuquerque, which has been bulldozed, but replaced by a lookalike train station, which is built in its place. Okay, yeah. So that's on First and Central. Yeah. Yeah. The W House stands out in the neighborhood uh, because it's a log fucking cabin. Yeah, it looks a little different than the rest of the houses around it. Yeah, East Downtown Albuquerque is well known for its quaint Victorian homes built at the turn of the century. And the charm of the neighborhood is that Victorian vibe. But the W House looks just like a rustic Norwegian-style cabin that belongs near a fjord in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> a little out of place. Rather than the middle of a bustling metropolis in the heart of the desert. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's my poetic... My, my attempt at poetic writing. Wax poetic. <laughs> the Press Club website describes the house as a three-story frame structure designed after a Norwegian villa, low-pitch roofs with exposed log fronting, rough log-cut facades, and a wide porch, which surrounds its eastern rooms characterizing the house. However, when the home was built, it was the only structure in the area. Albuquerque really hadn't spread to this part of the city yet, and so from the house you could see the Sandias very clearly, and from the west side of the house you could see the volcanoes without any obstruction. So there were no skyscrapers. I mean, skyscrapers is a strong word, but there were no tall buildings, Large buildings. <laughs> in downtown. Um, and and many of the houses really weren't in East Downtown yet anyway. So so it's three stories? Yeah. Really? I don't even remember being on one floor, I feel like. Yeah, so when you enter... Like, when you walk through the main entrance, you're actually entering into the top floor. Oh, okay. And then if you look, like, on the back side of it, you can see all three stories. And the way that it's built, it's really weird because it is three stories, but <laughs> it is three stories, but it can sometimes feel like nine stories because there's so many weird... What? Yeah, there's so many weird hallways and staircases, like half staircases. So there's like a, a random room. Half staircases? You mean like to a half floor? Yeah. So like there would be like a <laughs> random room just built in the middle. Okay. In between two floors maybe. So there's a lot of levels and there's a lot of weird halls and things like that that make this house unique. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, the area around the house really started to grow including the construction of the nearby Albuquerque Sanitarium. Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. <laughs> New Mexico became well-known around the country for the dry air and moderate climate, which was beneficial. 
allegedly beneficial to people who were struggling with tuberculosis in the 1900s. Allegedly. Right. I think we later found out that it was detrimental. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The elevation didn't help. Ah, well, shit. This led many people to relocate to New Mexico by the thousands in order to improve their overall health and help in the treatment of TB. The sanitarium would treat some of the most ill patients in Albuquerque, and this also led to many nurses and doctors moving to the area to treat all of these patients that were coming from everywhere. Uh, one such nurse was a woman who is now fondly known as Mrs. M. So the house changed hands many times over the next 18 years until it was sold in 1920 to a man named Arthur B. Hall. Arthur was courting a young nurse who told him that if he bought her the log cabin that she passed on her way to work every day, she would marry him. And this was after multiple attempts of him proposing to her and her telling him no. I mean, you have to admire him. He was pretty persistent, right? Yeah. I mean, he had his own dowry, basically. I mean, but maybe like nowadays you, that would if be... If you marry me, you get a house. Nowadays that could be considered like sexual harassment, right? Because she said no. So <laughs> like if she said no, then maybe you should just leave her alone. But he was like, what is it going to take? What is it? Well, buy me that house. Yeah, but I bet she was like, you know, oh, he's never going to be able to buy me a house. And then all of a sudden, I was like, well, here's your house. And well, shit, there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so she was in love with the house. He, not, was a, he was a sugar daddy. Not so much in love with him as she was with the house. And so I think maybe she wanted to marry the house instead. It's a cool house. Yeah, it's a nice house. <laughs> um, especially for the, like 1920, right? Oh, yeah. So that's exactly what he did. He bought the house and she became Clifford Hall. Oh, yeah. Her name's Clifford. Clifford. The big red. Cliffy. Cliffy. I mean. Cliff. I've never. Short. I've never heard that you. I'm not being disrespectful. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. M. Yes, I'm not being disrespectful. I've never used that as a. I've never known of that as a woman's name. Clifford. It has to be a family name, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was like, we're going to have a son and his name's going to be Clifford. And then they had a daughter like, well. Well, I'm not changing it her now. Name, her name's Clifford. <laughs> That's what's I'm not happening. changing it now. <laughs> so Clifford Hall. Um, and she loved the house so much. She kept it true to the original owner's style of Native American art and textiles. And she owned the house even after her divorce to Arthur in 1930. So they were married for about a decade. Yeah. Well, it didn't say when they got married, so oh, it could okay. have been like eight years or something. Oh, that's true. So she remarried. Um, she married a man named Herbert McCollum. Mm, herbs. In 1935, which is why she is now called Mrs. M. Ah. But that marriage also ended in divorce three years later in 1938. Oof. And so in order to generate some income, Mrs. M sectioned off the house and created apartments, which she rented out. Okay. And she also converted the old... Uh, stables from the original owners into apartments. So she hasn't been very lucky in love. Yeah. I, again, I think she liked the house more than she liked her husband's. Well, like I said, it's a cool house. Yeah. And her husband's were probably douches. Well, I mean, that's speculation, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were super great guys and she was the douche. I don't know. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> I don't even know her, but I, like I don't her. either. But, you know. So as time passed, Mrs. M spent her time and money making improvements to the home that she loved dearly. And in his book, New Mexico Ghost Stories, Volume 1, Antonio Garces says, The Highland Park Log quote, log house, was a showplace in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Clifford McCollum spent a great deal of her time, money, and energy maintaining the house and its surroundings. She opened her home to many people, among them William Loveless, which if you live in New Mexico, that might sound familiar to you. We have 
Loveless Hospitals here, Mm -hmm. uh, who brought his international guests to view the house. The Mayo Brothers, whose clinic is known worldwide, uh, were frequent visitors. The Mayo Clinic? Yeah. William Kelleher, Clyde Tingley, and Clinton Anderson. There's like motorcycle racing happening on my block for some reason. (laughs) Edit. It's really weird, right? (laughs) Yeah, and it's weird how I could... It's it weird picks it up. It through here. It picks I mean? it up. Yeah. Because I bet if we didn't have these on, we wouldn't hear it at all. Right. I don't know who Clinton Anderson is, so forgive me. Many other friends and visitors came to the house, so a lot of people going in and out. Sounds like well, well-known house in the city. Uh, maybe famous is the right word for that. Somewhat famous. Um, it couldn't hurt that all these medical people were coming in, and we have the TB hospital and eventual mental health hospital right next door. Right. So it's clear that Mrs. M loved the house dearly. She worked hard for most of her life to keep it updated and maintained. And she finally sold the home in 1960 to a local fraternity. (laughs) And then it was sold again in 1973 to the press club. Okay. So it seems quite possible that the reason the building is said to be haunted is because her love for it carried on beyond the grave. Okay. 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 Mrs. M passed away in 1977 due to complications from cancer. 77. Yeah. So she lived a good 40 years in the house, but she must have been... How old was she? I think she was in her 70s. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty good age at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So the thought is that she really couldn't let go of her love for the house. So her soul's forever imprinted in the walls. Did she pass away at the house? She did not. Okay. So she was in a hospital or something, maybe. Was yeah. she at the memorial? <clears throat> oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know where, where she died. Okay. Um, okay. But I know that she sold the house in 1960. So she, my, my guess is, and this is speculation, but my guess is that she probably was getting ill and old mm-hmm. and her family probably wanted her to get some care. Did they put her in an old person's home? That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My guess is that probably she was resistant to that. Um, I think most people would be. Yeah. <laughs> this is all made up in my head, you guys. So, like, don't take it as word because I honestly don't know. Yeah. we, we and Let's make that clear. We don't know what we're talking about. Ever. Ever. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you? Why are you in my house? I, I can't remember. Get out. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so one account in Garces's 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 one account in Garces's book is of an employee working at the press club in the mid nineties. Um, she had been warned about the building being haunted, so she was a little bit nervous. She described the building as having really too many hallways and staircases, and that it would be easy to get lost or turned around because the property is like a maze. See, that's weird to me because I remember being there and vaguely, it's been a long time since I was there, but I don't remember it being that large of a property to the point of like, where am I? Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, it's probably been a good 20 years since I've been there. We also don't know how much of this is in the back of house either, you know? That's true. So... That's true. Yeah. I've never worked there. Right. I've never had access to all the behind the scenes stuff. So according to her, it is like a maze. Okay. So one night after closing, she was talking with the president of the club and she saw a woman in black at the other side of the bar staring at her. She was startled, but the woman just disappeared as quickly as she appeared. Like Johnny Cash, all like in black? Or? Yeah. Well, so they say she wears like a black cloak. Okay. Yeah. A black cloak. Yeah. Is that something that... Uh, Miss M was yeah. usually wearing. Yeah, I have a picture of her. Really? Yeah, of wearing a black cloak. Yeah, 
Okay, awesome. I'll post it in the uh, case uh, case blog that we post on our website. Do it. Yeah. Um, so that's she was known to wear that. Okay. Uh, so she saw her. She, she disappeared. Was, maybe, was she emo? Maybe. Maybe she's a little gothy. I mean, she's divorced a couple times, so maybe she was depressed. <laughs> I just wear all black now. <laughs> my heart is black. My heart is... My clothes match my soul. <laughs> Sorry. Once again. Speculation. No disrespect. Okay. So she saw her. She disappeared. And then the president of the club chuckled. And... He, and because he noticed like the look on her face, okay, and he said, "Oh, don't worry about her. That's just Mrs. M. Leave her some gin at the bar." And when she uh, apparently when she returned to work the next day, uh, she claimed that the shot glass she put on the bar was empty. Okay, okay. So she, this ghost likes to drink. I, I mean, who shoots gin? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, mix up some little tonic and some yeah, lime. Yeah, we're we're talking business, but yeah. just shooting gin? No. Gin martini, maybe? Well, I mean, I guess, right? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I believe in the, I left her a shot and she drank it. I thing. bet it was the janitor of the evening was like, hey, or the president's like, a shot. Or the president of the club's <laughs> like, no, just leave her some gin, I promise. And then he goes back and later. he just goes back and yeah, drinks some gin. <laughs> oh, I totally saw her drink it. <laughs> she had a couple of other experiences, but one that really stood out to her was a time when she and a friend were in the bar after closing Mm. and her friend was waiting for her to wrap up her cleaning duties and there was really nobody else in the club. Suddenly they could hear piano music playing. Okay. All right. So there was a piano in, in uh, one of the rooms. They rushed into that room. Nobody was there. So were they hearing like a song or it was was a few notes? notes? Okay. okay. Yeah. It was a few Mm. notes. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that would that would probably spook me out. A I'd be little freaked bit. out. She said that they rushed to close the the place up and they left. They were like totally freaked out. Another former bartender told of a situation. One night she was working with three patrons in the bar, one of whom was her husband. She was washing dishes and she suddenly felt uneasy. She looked to her left and caught the glimpse of the image of a woman in black walking by. She could hear the sound of her high heels clicking on the wood floor. And her husband, noticing the look of fear in her eyes, looked over and exclaimed, There she is! The ghost! The woman in black! <laughs> That's such a Scooby-Doo moment. Right? And I would have gotten away with it's it, a, too. It's a ghost! Jinkies. Jinkies! It's a ghost! Uh, Sorry. She also shared some experiences of hearing the sound of high hills when no one was in the club or nearby. Now, is that something that Miss M would often wear? Is like some hot ass high heels. I mean, I'm sure they weren't hot. I'm sure they were like clunky. They're probably like, yeah, yeah super clunky. Yeah. Like just wooden blocks. Yeah. <laughs> she just has wood tied to her just feet. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> just wood. That's what I imagine 1920s footwear is like. Danish wood blocks. <laughs> She's wearing clogs. <laughs> clogs. Just straight clog in it. I and I heard, and I, all of a sudden, I heard the clogs sneaking up behind. <laughs> Clippity-clop. Clippity-clop. <laughs> well, it is a Norwegian cabin. You well, don't know. shit. I didn't even think of yeah, that. You don't know. It could be clogs. Yeah. You have no they idea. They think it's high heels because like, ooh, high fashion. No. She's rocking clogs. Because we're in New Mexico and we don't know what the fuck clogs are. What are clogs? <laughs> like clogged my sink? <laughs> I don't know. All we know is chunklas. 
That's it. <laughs> and how to duck them. Yeah, how to dive. Um, okay, so the same bartender claims that the last experience she had before she left uh, the press club was hearing footsteps coming towards her. She started shaking with fear as the footsteps continued to get closer. And she said, Mrs. M, you need to relax because you're scaring me. And she said that was the last time that she had any ghostly experiences at the press club. Okay. All right. I would love to hear what if anybody out there, any of our listeners have had any experiences too, man. Oh yeah. Send us your personal stories of the press club, uh, of any ghosts that you might've seen. We'll share them on a mini sode one day, whenever we get some stories to share on a mini sode. And, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, please do. Ghost stories. Give us your ghost stories. Don't sing. Why not, motherfucker? Because you can't. Yes, I can, bitch. <laughs> I just did. I just fucking did. So how do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, there are so many people who have claimed to have encounters with Mrs. M. And pretty much they're all similar. Okay. They include seeing an image of a woman in black. Clogs. Yeah. High heels. High heels. Clicking on the old wood floors of the club. And then there are multiple accounts of a phantom piano playing. Okay. Is that piano still down there? I don't know. I wonder if it's no. If it, maybe it's a mouse. We'll have to go see, <laughs> or maybe like a mouse ran across. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, could have been. It is an old building, so that's possible. Right. All in all, Mrs. M seems to be a harmless spirit who was so in love with her home that she couldn't part with it, not even in death. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think we heard from Zach, which you guys will hear in a minute, uh, from Horns Paranormal about maybe some other spirits that might be there as well. It sounds like there's a lot of. This is a place we need to go to. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of experience um, in the community with some weird stuff happening there. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll go and... Let's do a live stream there. Do a video stream, like a Get Vocal or something. Yeah, or who knows? We'll figure YouTube, that out when we get something. to it. Yeah. Well, anyway, send us your ghost stories about the press club. Let us know what, what you got going on, and we uh, will be happy to share them. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Today we are joined by some special guests from Horns Paranormal. We have Zach and Lydia. Welcome, guys. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. I know that you guys have done some awesome stuff and some investigations on the places we're going to talk about today. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to start, if you would give us just a little bit of background on Horns Paranormal, what you guys do, and how you got started. You got it. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so Horns Paranormal has uh, been around in different forms since about 2000. Um, we, we started up um, as kind of a result of, honestly, I had taken a break from the paranormal for a while. I had had 
um, certain experiences that made me need to take a break. So I took a break and then came back and started Horns Back Up. And what the name actually stands for is Hauntings and Other Realms Networks, because we are interested in all aspects of the paranormal. So cryptozoology, uh, UFOs, you name it, we, um, we study all of that, even though our focus is primarily on hauntings. Um, but we, we really have had kind of a unique history because we've been able to investigate all over the country. But even here locally in New Mexico, we've been able to gain access to sites that have said no to uh, ghost adventures and some of the big TV crews. Um, we've had unique access to um, local sites, um, historic landmarks. You know, we've been able to really discover some things on properties that I think we can safely say we're the only ones that have seen it. And it's been fascinating because, you know, we also love the history, right? We love the history of this state and and all of these locations. So we do a, a kind of a great deal of research on every property we go to as well, whether it's pulling police files on residentials that we're investigating. Um, we've even been able to correct the historical record on certain locations in New Mexico where, uh, for instance, one story is attached to a property that actually happened at another property and we've been able to go back doing our research and say, no, this actually was over here in another part of the state or another part of the county. Um, so it's, you know, it's a fascinating process and we've had a really, uh, I think, a, a great time doing it. It's been a blast to, to be able to get out and, and see all these wonderful places. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And we have a great team right now. We have about 12 folks on the team, including my teammate here, Lydia, that uh, we stay pretty active. We, we try to really keep ourselves busy. That's really cool. I like I like the fact that you guys dig into the history of whether it's police reports or who owned the building or or any of those things. I think that's that's really it says a lot about how you know how much you're willing to investigate that and and I respect that for sure. Yeah, I think there's a story behind it, right? Absolutely, you know, because we you know, as much as we are um pretty much all believers, we do have a couple skeptics on the team, but uh, which I think is important. But even though we are believers, we, you know, we don't want to um, make any assumptions and we don't want to just jump into, you know, a place where we believe everything that we hear because, you know, things get uh, modified and distorted over time. Not not even that people are lying as much as just, you know, how stories go um, they evolve on their own. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a skeptic myself. So, um, OK, I, I think it's awesome. important. Yeah, I'm the believer of the duo. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think it's a good pairing. You know, I, our AV guy is actually our skeptic. And so he's, um, which I think works out really well because, you know, he'll be the first to say, well, we got this on camera, but it could be this artifact or it could be this, you know, double exposure right. or something else. Um, so it, it kind of keeps us honest, so to speak. Um, and it makes us, you know, it makes us work for it because we want any evidence we find to be something that we can um back up scientifically we're even looking at trying to publish scientific uh you know articles in journals on our findings because we really want to see um the paranormal research field become something that's giving scientific validity and not just you know oh it's I those love guys that. Again. <laughs> yeah, that's, i love that that's that's the way to do it for sure absolutely awesome you guys not only investigate local New Mexico paranormal situations, but you also go into other places in the country as well. Is that, is that what you said? Yeah, we go um, all over the country. Um, I've been everywhere from Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky to, awesome. um, you know, you name it just about really. And we're actually our next big investigations over at a place called the Shamrock hospital. Uh, yeah. Shamrock hospital in Texas. So um, at the Shamrock hospital, I've, I've been through that town a few times. 
Oh, have you? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, I guess it's been sitting abandoned for a while, and we spoke with the owners, and uh, they've reported quite a bit of activity, so we figured we'd awesome. go see what we could find. That's so cool. So anything else you want to say about what you do or or any of that before we jump into some of these haunted you know, locations? I, absolutely. I'll just add that, you know, um, I'm really proud of our team. Like I say, we've we've been able to do some really unique locations that um, nobody else has had access to, including the press club. We kind of have a unique access there as well. But I do like to let folks know that if they have anything going on at their home or their business or, or any other property they may have, um, you know, they can reach out to us. We have a website and a Facebook page and an Instagram. We have all the social media stuff. Um, but we do our research for free, so we don't charge anybody to come out and investigate their home or try to do a clearing if that needs to happen because we don't awesome. feel that, that that's appropriate. So um, if anybody does have anything they need some answers to, they can reach out to us anytime. How would they reach out to you? What's your um, your at? Uh, you got it. So we're at Horns Pat, H-O-R-N-S-P-A-T on Instagram. Um, or you can find us at www.hornsparanormal.com. Awesome. I'll put links to your social and your website on the show notes of this as well, just so people can have easy access uh, just directly from their device. So that'll be good. Cool. So so today we're talking about two pretty famous hauntings in New Mexico, and they happen to be relatively next door to each other. And so that's exciting that we, you know, we kind of decided to put those together as into one episode it might might end up being a two part here, but um, you know, I'll add, and I, I don't mean to. If Lydia wants to add to this, of course, as well. Um, but I just wanna, I wanna kind of mention something that's kind of interesting too, and, and it helps to segue maybe is that, you know, because the facilities were there, the three different hospitals, um, and then their you know connectedness to the press club, it's interesting that um, a lot of kind of important historical figures from the medical field used to visit as well, so. You know, the Mayo brothers who founded the Mayo Clinic were frequent visitors down to the area and yeah. things like that as well. Um, so there, there's a, an interesting history there as well as the way that that hospital is connected to all of these sort of medical professionals across the country who were coming down to see, you know, what was happening there to talk about procedures and, and techniques being used, but also and, and introduce their own as well, I'm sure. Um, but also a lot of that was to visit uh, Mrs. M over at the press club because the house had become sort of this um, cultural touchstone in the city as well. So that, yeah. that history is really fascinating as well. It, it definitely is history. That's, that's interesting and different and kind of outside of the normal of what you would expect in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just even looking at the building itself, it doesn't really fit in with any of the architecture that we have here at all, it, it stands out like a, sto- a sore thumb a little bit. And um, as I was researching the press club and looking into the past of it, it was just, it's just really fascinating. You know, the fact that, um, and I'm probably going to b- butcher his name, but uh, Whitlesey, is that, is that correct? Uh, I believe it's Whittlesey. Whittlesey. Okay. Yeah. It's not Gonzalez, so I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> um so, you know, the fact that he chose like a Norwegian cabin as, mm-hmm. as as his inspiration for building this house, it's just, it really doesn't make sense with the landscape, um, <laughs> but it's cool. It is. It really is. And, you know, he was, uh, it was an interesting thing because he was, he became really sought after as an architect because of that sort of unique 
uh, flair that he brought to his buildings, right? Because he ended up building a couple of our more historic hotels in town, as well as working at the train depot, which is, of course, why he was brought here originally. Um, but he did. He chose a, an interesting structure for the house because that was where he was going to put his family. And he liked to do pretty innovative stuff. Interestingly, um, the house, you know, it's log cabin construction, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, back then, they didn't have insulation. So what they actually did to keep the house warm is they braided horsehair and put it between all the logs. So you can go in there today and still see the horsehair. Uh, the walls in places. And that's how they really? insulated it. So, yeah. So that's like 1900s insulation. Yes, yeah, like 1903. <laughs> wow. Um, and, so, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, it's really kind of, to me, I was surprising at least that, you know, the horsehair is still there. You can still see it and it's still holding up. So it's, uh, I guess it was a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Quality material. Awesome. Right. <laughs> so this building was built in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Uh, by this architect who's from Illinois. And, you know, I, I kind of dug into the history when we record recorded the uh, kind of the intro to this, you know, feel free to add anything else that you want to of relevance to this. But I, I also thought it was interesting that, that this architect designed the Alvarado train station, uh, mm-hmm. as well as several other um, train station related buildings. I think one of the hotels that was close to the rim of the Grand Canyon, he designed that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Alvarado train station is downtown Albuquerque for those listeners who don't know or who aren't from New Mexico. Uh, and it it was demolished, but it was rebuilt um, with another building that looks very similar to the original. Uh, and it now serves as a, a train station for the rail runner, which is our Absolutely. commuter train here. Yeah. So I just thought it was kind of cool that he, he kind of had his hand in other things as well um aside from this building and it was just an interesting study on on what his career was like as well absolutely yeah and he really it was it was um interesting the impact it had on his family as well because you know he built the home originally for his his kids and his wife of course and he would be gone for sometimes weeks and months on end because when they started calling him to do you know designs in other cities he would go and leave the family at home so they would be there very often on their own for a really long time. And at, and at that point, there really wasn't a whole lot else in the area. So the house was, you know, the house and the hospital were there and not too much else. So they were kind of um, on the plains almost, if you will. Like yeah. It was a very, you know, a pretty isolated place. There's actually a really interesting book written by those children as well about their time there talking about, you know, snakes falling off the rafters and just wildlife and activity around the house. But um yeah, it was fascinating. So that's why they eventually ended up moving, though, was because he was being called out so often. Um, and that's what opened it up for somebody else to buy it. Did you wait? Did you say that there were snakes falling off the rafters? <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a great story in there about um, one of the kids when he was like six years old or something was sitting in the living room, which is the biggest room in the whole building and always was. Uh, it's this huge, long, beautiful uh, living area. And he was sitting in there and they're playing. And a, a snake, I think it was a rattlesnake, fell off one of the rafters and it crawled in the house and was Jeez. crawling along the kind of kivas at the top there. And, and it just fell down and he started playing with it. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just um, didn't so, know any better. <laughs> right? The, the beauty of innocence, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so that gives you a sense, though, of definitely, I think, how kind of isolated and, and uh, rustic it really was. Just different times, completely. Absolutely. So I know that 
once they sold it and and the family moved onwards to i think it was california or wherever they they went to next Mm -hmm. um i know that it changed hands a couple times the home um and i think it was leased prior to mrs m's suitor purchasing it um yes briefly Yeah. yeah. Um, there were a number of times that the property was owned very briefly or leased very briefly to people who would kind of come and go. Um, it's a pretty interesting history when you look at it because it's changed hands a lot of times. Um, it was, I, I cannot remember the name of the person who had it previous to Mrs. M, um, but it was held for a little while, not too very long. Um, and then she became the next owner who had it for about 40 years, um, the longest that any one person had owned it still to this day. Um, and then it went through a few more changes where it was, um, it's, it's been a, a home for indigent men. It was actually vacant for a little while. Um, it was even a frat house for a couple of years. Um, so it's a, definitely an interesting history. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was a frat house and then the press club bought it, right? Yes. Yeah. The press okay. club bought it and has, it's been basically member owned ever since then. Um, awesome. But definitely, you know, definitely Mrs. M's purchase is, is kind of the, the favorite story, of course, because of the way that she kind of came into possession of it, I think. Um, yeah, I love that story. Do you mind just kind of going through that a little bit? Absolutely. So um, Mrs. M, her name, perhaps oddly, was Clifford, was actually her first name. Um, so people called her Cliffy. But she came here originally to work at the hospital because she had a loved one, um, as we understand it, who she wanted to make sure they were being taken care of. So she came and worked at the hospital originally for them, and then um, they passed, and she ended up staying on and becoming one of the head nurses there. And at that time, as I said, there really wasn't a lot else around there. So she um, had a suitor that wanted to marry her, and he asked her many, many times, (laughs) and uh, I guess she turned him down pretty often. But eventually, one day, he asked again, and she said, I'll tell you what. If you buy me that beautiful log cabin that I pass by every day on the way to work, then I'll marry you. So he did. <laughs> right? I was like, hey, you know, she knew what she wanted. Um, <laughs> and, and he agreed. So, you know, so they did. They became married. Um, and they were actually only married for a relatively short time. I want to say it was around possibly six years, um, maybe slightly shorter. I forget off the top of my head, but not real, real long. Um, but she did end up holding onto the home after they were divorced. Um, and she, uh, yeah, she held it for about 40 years after that and really turned it into, she really was the reason it became such a cultural touchstone because, you know, she um, decorated the home with all these uh, Native American artifacts and kind of Oriental Asian uh, artifacts, many of which actually were left behind by people who had died um, either there at the house when they were visiting or, or over at the hospital. Um, so she had a lot of that in the home. That was her kind of her taste. Um, and so that was part of it. But also, like I say, you know, you had these medical professionals coming to visit and you had athletes and political figures and even artists who would come. Some of New Mexico's well-known artists would come and paint on the front patio um, because they had this beautiful view of the mountains and everything. Um, so she really made it into that kind of cultural touchstone that it became for for that 40 years um, but yeah, I, I love that story too. I love, you know, she, uh, she, she struck a bargain. Um, buy me a house, <laughs> right? Sorry, I mean, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> I no, was just going to say, fault. I was just going to say that I, I, I love that so much. I think that, 
you know, that probably that attitude was, it, it might've been a little bit unheard of in, in the time that, you know, she was, she was a strong woman and she knew what she wanted mm. and she, she didn't settle for less. And, and I admire that about her. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're probably right. I mean, we're talking early 1900s still, you know? Um, so yeah, I doubt that there were too many women who maybe were as, um, bold as that um or maybe there were and we just don't hear about them as often but certainly she stands out um for her you know her strength i mean she and her perseverance and you know she ran the house by herself independently for a long time after that i mean she was kind of the sole proprietor so you know that just speaks even more to her uh, to her love for the place and her strength and, and really when you go in there now you can still feel her there she's she's definitely the spirit that most people have encountered there and and more than just her spirit, though, you can feel, I, I, I feel like you can feel all of her love, all of her passion, all of her um, attachment to the building when you go in there. It feels very homey. It's like you're walking into somebody's home still. And, and I always, uh, myself, I always say hello to her when I walk in because I'm sort of half expecting her to meet me at the door still. Yeah, I think that when I was researching this, that's what really stuck out to me was how much she loved that home and how much time and money and energy she put into that. And so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, she carried that love with her into the afterlife. Uh, I, I think that's just a really beautiful story. And um, it, it, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of makes me um, have a new respect and a, a new appreciation for the building itself, because I've been in there a few times, but uh, I, I didn't have any experiences, but I, I definitely love the story of Mrs. M and I love how much she cared about that house. You can just tell and she held on to it for 40 years. That's, that's incredible. It is. I agree. It really is. Um, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with it. And, you know, it's interesting with the experiences because we, you know, we've investigated it about uh, three times now. And I, of course, gone in there. And I mean, just about every time I go in there, I have a recorder on me somewhere recording. Um, and, and we actually, um, the team, Horns, our team, actually, we have a lot of our meetings there. Um, we've sort of, it's sort of become our home base. And we have kind of an interesting uh, relationship with them as well, because they've also allowed us to be sort of the official paranormal team of the of the press club. So we, we actually screen other teams that are coming in because we want to we want to preserve that, right? That love and that, that um, energy that she put into it. We want to make sure that doesn't get disrupted or disrespected um, because right. we do, we love the property. I, I mean, it, it really, it's like a second home. And so we, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have that arrangement with them, but um, the, the experiences there are fascinating because there's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Every, just about everybody who's been going there for a while, if they go pretty regularly, you know, they have some kind of story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, not all of them want to tell it, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, most of them have one, but what's interesting, kind of the predominant feeling there, I think a lot, a lot among a lot of the board members and members of the club is that, you know, generally you're going to have an experience more if you're being disrespectful in some way, that seems to be when they will kind of make themselves more um, known. Um, not always, but, but that certainly seems to be one of the times, but it's interesting. So you, gotta, you gotta really antagonize them. You do. And of course, we don't want that to happen. Right. So we're, we try right. to make sure that people aren't doing that. Um, we at Horns, we don't believe in provocation. I mean, it's just disrespectful and, and, and kind of dumb. Um, and douchey. It is kind of douchey. douchey. Exactly. I've seen some people Super do that douchey. on a few shows and everything. And they always seem 
just mad douchey when they're doing it. It's just kind of embarrassing. We won't name those shows, but everybody knows who we're talking I think, about. I think you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I know exactly who you mean. I think most people do. Yeah, exactly. No, I couldn't agree more. It really is. It's frustrating. And it's and it's just bad practice. I mean, you're going into someone's home, whether they're uh, corporeal or not, you know, you're still going into their home. Um, and And it's just, yeah, it's douchey. And we really don't. You know, that's one of the things that we screen for when people say they want to come in. If they're saying we want to, you know, provoke, then it's like, yeah, well, take your Ouija board and go on. Um, <laughs> you know, um. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not going to happen. So, so you said you've you've uh, been there three times doing investigations. I know you've been there a ton more times, but you've actually done three <laughs> investigations there? Absolutely, yeah. We... um. We've done three. We did, um, I think, two in 2019. And oh no, actually, I think we did all three in 2019, come to think of it. The third one was interesting because we actually had made arrangements. Um, we were the first team to ever be able to o- offer an actual ghost tour of the facility of the home. Um, so we did that in October as a way to let the public come in and kind of have that experience for themselves, which has really not been available before. Um, and then the first two were more regular investigations. The first time we went in with, I think, about 14 people um, so that we could cover a lot of the ground. And then the second time was a smaller one. Uh, Lydia was with us, I believe, for both of those, actually. Um, you were there for both of those, weren't you, Lydia? Or all three even, maybe? Um, I did the the first one that uh, I don't remember when it was. But, yeah, I was there for one of them. One of them. Okay. Um, for some reason, I thought you were there for all three. But, um yeah, it's, I mean, it's an amazing place. You know, what's what's fascinating is that the first time I ever went in there, um, again, it is a site that, like you said, it's pretty famous, notoriously. If you Google paranormal in New Mexico, it's probably one of the first things you find is the press club. Um, and I went in there originally to kind of start trying to lay the groundwork for an investigation. And even the first time I walked in there, I was going through the building, I was taking photos everywhere. And I was standing at the top. There's a staircase. It's an interesting building. If you haven't been in there, I know you said you have, but for those who yeah. haven't, it's um, it's basically three stories on the outside, but inside it's like nine different floors, right? So nine yeah. different levels. It's a uh, it's wild. It reminds me of the Winchester House on a smaller scale, um, <laughs> but it's it's beautiful. And so we were. I was on this floor that looks down into the pool room. And of course, you know, you primarily hear about Mrs. M's spirit in the building, but I was looking down the stairs, getting ready to take a photo. And I saw somebody walk by the bottom of the staircase. And of course, I went running down to see who this was, because I knew there were only two other people in the building at that time, but me and they were both upstairs. Um, So I'm like, who is that? And I ran down and of course, no one's there. But I saw this male figure with a blue shirt and like a hat on. And I was like, oh. Okay, right away. Here I am, first time in the building, and there's there's you know somebody, um, and that ended up becoming a really interesting experience because when we went in and did the first investigation after that, we were down in the pool room, and um, I was recording with uh, a gentleman named uh, Matt, and we were down there, and I had the EVP, and you know I'm also uh, sensitive 
Um, and it's something that I'm still kind of learning to embrace. But when I was down there, this name came into my head and I was kind of hearing two names. I was hearing Bobby or Robert, which of course is the same name, but right. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I started asking who, who's Robert or Bobby. Um, and then later that same evening, all the teams were, you know, the team was broken up into small groups and everybody was rotating through the rooms. So at the end of the evening, we were in the main living room and we were doing a spirit box session and we had cameras and, you know, all the equipment set up pointing at us. And I was asking during the spirit box session um, and I said, you know, Robert or Bobby, well, uh, what'd you lose? And one of our other sensitives who was on a different group than mine kind of gasped and she went, I got the same name. And I asked her, wow. of course, you know, where'd you get it? And she said, down in the pool room. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, holy crap, right? Um, so that was cool. And then during the spirit box session, I actually asked, um, Robert or Bobby, I, I always use the same names because I, you know, I didn't know which he prefers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I was Robert or Bobby, what's your favorite room? And everybody in the room, we got it on the EVP on the recorders. You could hear very clearly through the spirit box, this response that came back and said, pool room. Um, so we're like, wow. okay, that's awesome. What was even more interesting was we found out later I was talking with one of the board members about maybe a month and a half later. And I hadn't had a chance to sit down and go over the evidence with him that we had gathered at that time. But I was sitting with him and I was telling him about our experiences. And I told him about this, uh, this encounter with Robert or Bobby. And he's a skeptic, right? He's kind of a skeptic. He's one of those who doesn't necessarily believe that there yeah. are spirits in the building. But he looks at me and says, oh, you just gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, okay, well, why is that? What, what do you mean? And he said, well, two of our founders were named Robert, right? There were two Bobbies that worked there. Oh, my God. One of whom is deceased and one of whom was in hospice last they had heard and may or may not have passed since. Um, but that was fascinating because he actually went down and showed me this plaque. Apparently, there was a plaque with their names or not a plaque. I'm sorry. It was in the bricks. Some of the bricks have names carved into them of the founders. And I hadn't really ever looked at those specifically. So he took me out and he showed me this brick with their names in it. And there's two different Roberts attached that were founders. And so it was really a fascinating set of occurrences, the way it all came together, because, you know, in my research, I'd never come across that name. Robert or Bobby were not names I'd ever heard. Um, so it was really kind of a, an amazing moment, I think, for all of us, because it was this validation. And even later in our ghost hunt, when we did the ghost tour in October, we were down in that same pool room. And uh, we were taking photos in the dark with the IR cameras and everything. And I was, uh, we had several guests who had bought tickets to come take the tour. And they were down there with us. And I was looking through my IR camera, getting ready to take some video. And I saw this shadow move across the, the pool room. Um, and it stopped right next to one of the, the guests that was there. And what was interesting is before I even really said anything, he goes, I just saw a shadow and it stopped right here next to me. <laughs> oh. So, you know, it was, it's interesting because I, you know, I'm, I'm at this point convinced that there is the spirit of a of Bobby in the building. And, um, you know, he kind of hangs out in the pool room down there, which is also near what used to be the kitchen. Um, there's a, a section off where it used to be the kitchen. And so I think he kind of hangs out down there, but he's, he's a good example because this, the spirits attached to the building don't really present themselves often. And when they do, um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty brief. So, but that's not to say there haven't been some pretty, uh, pretty interesting stories as well about kind of bigger encounters. So it, there's, there's really a lot of interesting evidence that we've been able to gather. So it's been, it's been quite a, 
quite a journey going in there all these times. Hey, Zach, uh, let me ask you, have sure. you found any visual evidence? Great question. Um, we haven't really gotten a ton of visual evidence. Um, we did have a photo in one window that, that seems like it may or may not show the figure of a man um, kind of reflected in the glass. And of course, the windows are looking out. Um, we've kind of gotten mixed reactions to it. And to be honest, myself, I'm not even 100% sure. It, it's pretty faint. It looks like there could be a figure there in the glass in one of these photos, um, but it's not really clear enough that we can kind of hold it up and say this is, you know, concrete evidence. Um, so the visual evidence has been a little more um, lacking, but we've had a lot of EVPs and and uh, encounter stories from folks who've been there. In fact, one one lady who uh, is there frequently, I, I won't say her name because, you know, I, don't, I haven't asked her for permission yet, but... Um, she had an encounter actually even in the bathroom. She was in one of the, there's a room where they play darts and it's separate from this little short hallway where the bathrooms are. And she was in there by herself playing darts and she heard the sink in the bathroom come on. And so she went in there and of course no one's in there. And, and uh, she said that she basically saw this sink turn on and then turn off by itself. Um, wow. And these are, you know, the old turn handles that you have to, you know, you have to physically move them. It's not like. Yeah, it's not a like, sensor. Right, exactly. Once um, again, the ghosts like to keep their hands clean. <laughs> apparently, it's because they're attached to the hospital, I guess. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah. The bricks that you were talking about, Zach, mm -hmm. are those in the pool room? So those are actually out on the sidewalk, and it was really kind of – I was a little bit um, ashamed of myself because I hadn't really noticed them before. I mean, um, they're, they're, when you walk up to the main building – there is uh, this kind of brick pathway and near the front steps, there are these old bricks that have names in them. And I mean, I noticed them, but I never really asked what they were. Um, and so it was only after that with Bobby that we found out that those were primarily the names of founders of the press club um, and people who had been like, you know, really attached to the development of it over the years. Um, so you can actually see those just even outside the building. You don't even have to go inside. Um, that's, so that's, that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah, that is yeah. cool. It's cool that you got that kind of confirmation about the Roberts. It's yeah. just, that's an interesting story. What about, I know, so I saw an interview that you did on channel four when you were, uh, I think it was last year, maybe uh, mm -hmm. you were walking through the building. And I, I noticed one of the things that you did was as soon as you walked in, you greeted Mrs. M. Um, yes. Can we talk about Mrs. M? Because I know that there have been several sightings of a woman in black Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there's been the sound of high heels on the wood floor. Yes. Um, and I, and I think even while you guys were there with the news, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there was a, a moment where somebody said, I really like your house. And, and then the EVP picked up. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That was actually from our first investigation. In fact, um, we, we had uh, kind of loaned that over to the news crew for their, you know, for the, uh, I don't know, article episode. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it absolutely, she is far and away the most commonly experienced, um, presence in the building. Um, people have talked about, yeah, hearing her walk real quick. I'm going to say there is an old story you'll see online as well about, um, if you leave a shot of gin on the bar, you'll come back the next day and find it empty. Um, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story. Um, I don't know anybody who has ever actually seen that happen. Um, and usually when I ask, People have said, well, you know, all the board members have keys, um, <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> which I just thought was funny. 
Um, but no, you know, so that one is an interesting story, but there doesn't really seem to be a history. Uh, that one, I think, is an urban legend because uh, it actually turns out she wasn't a gin drinker at all. She actually hated gin anyways. Um, so if there was a spirit doing that back in the day, it was someone else. Uh, but her presence has definitely been felt frequently. Um, we did in our first investigation, we were actually up in the boardroom. And uh, Lydia was there for that one. Lydia and myself and another uh, young lady named Anwar were in there and we were doing some EVPs. And uh, while I was standing in this boardroom, I felt a uh, spirit poke me in the shoulder very, very physically, um, not wow. aggressively, just like, uh, I, I think it was more of a curiosity, like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, but it was a very real solid physical touch on the shoulder. And I was like, oh, did you just touch me? And we did get an EVP of her saying yes. Um, and then a few minutes later, it's interesting because when a spirit touches you, you'll feel it for quite a while afterwards. Um, it lingers. Um, and so we were still doing this EVP. And yeah, um, one of the ladies had said, you sure have a beautiful home, Mrs. M. And she did. She responded, thank you, uh, rather clearly. So that was wow. uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful piece of evidence. She, she, I think she really appreciates when people have that uh, respect and that appreciation for her home. And if you go in there and you show that kind of, uh, kind of affection for the home, um, I think you are somewhat more likely to actually hear from her because she, she seems to really enjoy the fact that people still uh, find comfort there. You know, it almost seems like that's what tethered her to the building was her love for it. Um, it seems like that she wasn't even willing to part with it, you know, in death. And so I can, I can definitely understand why she would be responsive to that kind of reaction uh, because she obviously was proud of the house. She obviously cared a lot about it. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that she resisted leaving uh, in her, in her old age when she was, when she was ill, I'm sure that was a, a tough decision for her. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can only imagine as well. Um, Cause she did, she, yeah, she very much loved the home. I mean, it shows you can, you can tell um, even when you walk in there now, like I say, you can still feel that. And I do, I think it's very much what anchored her to the spot. I think she, you know, um, that's what we see often in the paranormal, right? People, you know, despite some of the misconceptions, you know, typically when a spirit lingers somewhere, it's because they have an attachment to it. That's either, you know, a deep, deep love or an affection or maybe a trauma. Um, but it's certainly not always, you know, as the ghost stories tell, um, because sure. they died there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think she definitely did. I think, and, and she does, you know, we've, whenever we've gone in and we've investigated and we've kind of, um, shown that love and that respect for the home. I think you can, it's, it's, this may sound a little out there, but I think you can actually develop a relationship with Cliffy in a way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I feel like if you go there often enough, you can kind of, you know, that's why I always greet her because I always feel like I'm walking into her home still. So I want to say hi, I want to be polite. Um, and there is, there's a sense of comfort there. And I think that, you know, you can develop this sort of relationship with her where, she still may not necessarily present herself as often because she's, we, I will say, I think we know where she spends most of her time in the building though. Um, I think we've got that narrowed down because there's one room in the building and I'm going to ask Lydia to speak to this maybe in a moment as well. Um, there's a room in the building where every time I take somebody in there for the first time, what we'll do is we'll have them stand in all four corners of this room and we won't say anything. Just go stand in that corner for a minute. Now go stand in that one and they go through all four. And then I ask them, you know, 
did you notice anything? And almost without fail, they'll say, yeah, this one corner was heavier or I felt kind of dizzy in this corner. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's happened almost without fail. I mean, I've brought in visiting artists, poets, you name it. And, and it's almost without fail. And I don't know, Lydia, when we did that first investigation, I think we did that as well. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. How did, do you remember your experience in that corner? I do actually. Yeah, it was off. It was definitely off. I mean, I'm not one to feel things, but it it, it felt definitely different. I don't know. It's, it, I can't even explain it. Right on. Yeah, thank you. I mean, absolutely. It is. It's, it's just amazing how it happens. And it's always one of two corners. I, so I think, you know, we huh. kind of get the sense that she does move around. But very clearly, we think she stays in that same room most of the time, because that's where we usually get EVPs and experiences with her as well. So um, it's kind of like she has this room. Um, I don't know the history of that room specifically, because over time, of course, there have been some changes and renovations. But um, I don't know if it was maybe a bedroom she used to sleep in or just a room that had some kind of importance for her. Or maybe it's just a good place to be able to see what's going on. Um, but it's interesting because even in that same room, um, we went out on our first investigation. We went out on the patio. Uh, there's this beautiful brick patio in the back where you can get a great view of downtown Albuquerque. And we had walked out there and without anybody saying a word, I noticed that like five or six of us turned around and started taking photos of this same window in the building. Like we were really? all, yeah, it was like we were all feeling like we were being watched from this window and it was that same room. Um, and we found out later that there's a lot of people who said they feel like they're being watched from that same window pretty often. So wow. there's a lot of kind of uh, anecdotal evidence, I guess, that, you know, that that room seems to be really a key spot for her so it's it was just fascinating to watch all these people turn and start taking (laughs) photos of a window um with no communication it was it was it was wild it sounds like a lot of what happens there is is pretty benign in terms of the activity is is not malicious or malevolent at all it sounds like it's very peaceful is that do you think that's accurate i would say so i don't know of any stories wait let me think there might be one um trying to recall i feel like i did hear one um really i don't know too many stories that involve any kind of malevolent i don't actually know of any that involve anything malevolent or or like malicious um i have heard stories of people being startled when they're being disrespectful in a property like a spirit has been known to kind of make itself known and just surprise them sort of Um, nothing aggressive though at all it's more like it's more like somebody walking into the room and going hey what are you doing watch yourself yeah (laughs) right exactly um so you know we've heard a couple stories like that um but yeah it's really very benign i think i think that um there is one spirit we think in the basement which used to be the kitchen and a couple of our sensitives when we did our ghost tour down there um we were down there and i noticed one of our sensitives is a lady named anita and she's a really uh powerful medium and i'm gonna give the caveat that I'm very, very um, selective in my belief when it comes to mediumship. Um, uh, You know, I mean, I think there are definitely people who have the gift, but there are also people who I'm not as sure they do. Um, Opportunists, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think you definitely have to be wary, right? I feel like there were people here once. Okay, well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure there were. (laughs) So do you feel like these... 
do you feel like the ghosts there are uh, um, in, intelligent, or what is it called when they were repetitive? When it happens like over and over? Residual, yeah. Residual. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, you think know, it's a little bit of both? I will say that I think Bobby might be residual because I've never gotten an EVP from him, and he's only shown himself a few times. So as far as I know, we've never recorded anything from him. I think he may be residual. I think he's down in the basement doing whatever it is he's doing. I'm not sure yet. Um, I think Mrs. M is intelligent. I do think she's definitely intelligent because she has responded a number of times to things. And she tends to be the one people see when, you know, when they're uh, correcting behavior. Um, (laughs) um, So I'm pretty sure she (laughs) is intelligent. The one in the basement, we're not too sure of. We think somebody may have died down there a long time ago um, of a head injury um, because that night, three well two of our sensitives and one of the guests who was there as just a you know tour member all were holding their heads in the same spot down there talking about feeling like a really severe headache and their eyes were hurting and stuff wow so think maybe somebody died down there of a of some kind of head injury um and that's the only one in the building that seems to be trapped um mm. like they maybe somebody who has not been able to cross over yet but we haven't had a lot of experience with them yet. So we're, we're kind of still looking into that one, trying to figure out what maybe happened there. But, you know, when we pull the, the police records on the property for the press club, which we've done, um, you know, it's interesting because there are, uh, again, you had all these patients from the TB hospital and you had all these patients that, you know, we know may have passed away on the property as well as, of course, nearby in the, in the old hospital. And then also there is all this history of the times when it was a home for indigent men and, and it was a time when it was being uh, you know vacant and we don't know who was staying there. But we do know that from some of the police reports, there were, as you would expect with vacant buildings, there were some people who would do, um, you know, would take advantage of a space to squat and, you know, sure. do what they do. Um, for instance, there was one guy who died of an overdose because he apparently um, decided to use LSD intravenously. Um Ugh. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. Um, wow, but, choices. Um, yeah, tough one. So, but you know, so so there's not. It's interesting because there's not a lot of recorded deaths specifically on the property mm. since about 19. I'm gonna say maybe 1960. Um, but before that, of course, you have to go back through all the microfiche, and it's like a lot harder to find. Um, sure. But we definitely know there's a lot of deaths, so it's it's really kind of interesting because it's like on the one hand you would almost expect more activity than you see. Um, but on the other hand, you know, yeah, definitely the spirits that are there are are pretty mellow. I will add, there's a story that I heard from one of the members once as well about, um, he was sitting in one particular part of the building and, you know, there's these old gas radiators in the building. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was watching, he said he was sitting there for, I think like an hour roughly for quite a while, several, quite a while. And he was sitting there and he said he was just watching these spirits of children, like three or four different young spirits, children's spirits, running back and forth across the room. And they would like run over and touch the radiator and then run back. Um, And he watched this for a while. So, you know, it's very possible, too, that there are entities in there that that just aren't always there, that aren't always present or maybe wander in or something. Um, So it's, it's interesting, you know, when you get a spot with that much history attached to it, it can become sort of a magnet i guess in a way sure. um, so it's it's definitely interesting i don't know lydia you want to add anything to that about your experiences with what we've seen there um not necessarily i mean you know it's it's an awesome place it's beautiful um you know I, talking about it makes me really want to go back though <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. We want to go too. I mean, it's, <laughs> we'll, we'll just invite ourselves over with you guys, but no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> no, come by. You know, actually, it's interesting because I, you know, after the first time we were there, I was like, no, I've got to be a member here. So I joined right away. Um, but um, I actually can take visitors in. So if you ever want to see it, I'll be happy to take you through and kind of show you some of the spots that we we've, we've picked things up and everything. I'd be ha- I love showing the place to folks. Yeah, maybe those Bucanios can join as a not press, but whatever the next level below that is, since we're yeah. uh, c- communicators. I think is what the, that level is. There um, you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we would love to go. Um, I, it's just such a fascinating place with a fascinating story. And I know that there's a lot of history and a lot of sightings and things like that. So I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat with us today and and give us some of your insights and would love to work with you guys in the future in whatever capacity. And, you know, if you want to come back on the show and talk about something else that you, that you saw, like we we would love to have you. Um, but I, I want to just say before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add or anything else you want to say to the listeners? So um, if you know they want to talk to you guys or communicate with you, I know you have your website and all of that, but anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you again for having us on. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I will say definitely do feel free to reach out to us, whether you have something going on you're looking for answers to or you just uh, want to talk about the paranormal. Maybe you have some questions. We um, we do actively recruit members for the team pretty much periodically. So if you're interested in finding out more about becoming a team member, you can hit us up. And the one thing I always like to add to is just if you're you know, if you're kind of an amateur investigator out there, that's awesome. But please do respect the properties that you're going on. Don't always get permission. Always get permission first. Um, and don't you know, we, we like to encourage folks not to like drink or go out and party while you're doing this kind of work, because. It invalidates the work, first of all, and and we hate to see properties get destroyed. So be safe, be respectful. um, And yeah, please feel free to hit us up anytime. We love to talk to people. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. And uh, for all of our listeners, to summarize what Zach just said, don't be a douche. Exactly. <laughs> just, just don't be a, be a douche. Just be a good person in the world. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> all right, you guys. Thank you so much. 